Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Scions of the Southland. It is the week of February 24th. We are recording this on a Monday uh, because some of us have some scheduling conflicts later this week. Mr. Grant, do you want to explain yourself? Well, I don't know who at the uh, ACC Network decided that they like to give us 9 p.m. basketball games uh, when they're at home, but, uh, you know, that'll be. Super-duper fun tomorrow night, um, trying to get ahead on some studying here so I can justify going to the game. But, um, yeah, if that's not a typical tech problem, I don't know what is. You know, the 9, the 9 p.m. basketball slot is just like the 11 a.m. Uh, football slot. You don't want to really be in either. <laughs> I, don't think the, I don't think the 9 p.m. slot is like prime time. I don't think that's super prestigious. Nope, it's just late, and they fill the television with it, but I'm a sucker for sports, so I'll probably be there. Yeah, speaking of sports, we have a lot of stuff to get to, and uh, we're, we're starting to burn the midnight oil here on the East Coast. So uh, let's start with a rapid-fire round uh, with this weekend's action. Uh, are you ready to go? Yeah, lay it on me. All right, let's start with number three, men's golf. Uh, they jumped above number two nationally, Oklahoma, uh, in, I want to say this was in Hawaii, Florida? Puerto Rico. Close enough. It's out in the sea. Um, and you have noted here that a redshirt freshman, Bartley Forrester, which is the most golf player name I think I have ever heard, uh, won the whole dang tournament. Uh, give me a quick thought on that. Um, his his name also sounds like a car, so that's interesting. Um, that too. Uh, it's great to see a good show from him. Uh, don't see a lot of red shirts on our uh, golf program. It's probably because it's a small team. But um, he also played on the five line uh, of the scorecard. So it was good to see a win come off the um, off the bottom. Um, I, I don't know. We see, we see a lot from No Norton. We see a lot from... Andy Ogletree, Luke Snydergens, uh, Strafasi, the older guys. Um, so, yeah, no, good to see Bartley step up. Uh, and we kind of needed him, too. Um, he he was playing the best, and he didn't win by a ton. So he was probably the the margin that we needed in there. And then, uh, as always, taking home a uh, trophy in a match with a bunch of good teams is nothing to frown upon. It's practice for the end of the year, um, winning teams. Uh, Winning lines against teams like this is not something I'm going to turn my nose up at. Yeah, no trophy games are trophy games. I am, uh, I'm good with it. Not going to argue with it either, case, dude. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, men's tennis dropped two matches this past weekend. Uh, the first in number ten Tennessee, in which they got swept four nil, uh, and then the other in which they fell. 4-2 to number 33, Miami. What did you see in this one? Um, well, breaking out my uh, fancy schmancy new UTR ratings, uh, courtesy of one Ethan Kreger, um, I I don't think we could have really expected much else against Tennessee. And my, Miami was closer, but, um, but again... You, you know, you'd drop a point here, you drop a point there. They were close in that one too. Um, we were ahead on the court that was suspended when play stopped. So again, closer maybe than four, two indicates could have been 
uh, 3-3 before before they closed out the fourth point. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought men's tennis was going to be stronger than the women this year, uh, who we'll get to later. Not not saying I'm disappointed because it's a young team. Carlos Tavar came into the season injured. Um, but but it, it seems like... Uh, Seems like they need a couple things to break their way. They're, they're young. They're they're going. They're, they they got to swallow their pills somewhere. You know, it's uh, it's tough in the ACC. Um, we're gonna see a lot of good competition. Very balanced midsection of the conference this year. So stuff like the Miami the Miami match will start to fall their way. Hopefully, knock on some wood there. But um, I, I don't know. Not not anything too crazy from them this past week. All right, moving on. Uh, something a little bit similarly mellow. That was a poor transition. Uh, diving and women's swimming at the ACC Championships in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, this weekend, uh, Tech placed three, girl, the three gals in the top three. Cami uh, Hidalgo finished first in the one-meter diving. Uh, Ruben Lechuga finished second in that same event. Uh, and then Cami Hidalgo followed that up with a second place finish in the platform diving. There were four NCAA B cuts. Uh, let's do, do, do. I don't know. I watched a little bit of this on ACC network, uh, but honestly not enough for me to glean anything sus- substantive away. What did you think? Uh, I, I think it really reflects kind of the themes we've been poking at for not just all year, but kind of the past couple. Um, the not, not even going to call it a top heavy team for the women. They, they they have a couple that can get in the mix uh, for B finals and C finals, but you, you're never going to get a conference championship. If you can't put a single person in an A final, you know, um, Ilgen Fritz uh, looked a little bit off in the thousand, but she did come back um, with, uh, with a nice showing in the 500. She's probably their best uh, pure swimmer. Um, and the diving was solid at the top. Um, I, I will go as far to call that top heavy because um, we put Lechuga in second, uh, but still wound up in ninth on the men's side of diving. Uh, women swimming and diving combined got a oh, got that's twelve. Bad. Um, yeah, that not not great. Um, uh, I will say aberration. If you want to see Miami, who does not have men swimming. Um, first place in the ACC uh, in men's swimming and diving. Um, they have not gotten to the uh, swimming part of the men's ACC championship. So Miami currently sits in first. That's a fun little twist. Um, Weird. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, text two, text women, um, they, had, they had good times for what they had been swimming in relays, but really you, you can't. Again, you can't win if in both sprint relays you're getting dead freaking last. Um, the the only teams behind them were, I believe, Boston College, Pitt, and Miami. Uh, Miami again, small swimming school. Um, not gonna trash them or Pitt. I know people at both schools um, and 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 at Boston College too. Uh, wow, what is it with me and having intimate connections to the bottom third of the ACC? Um, so, um, they're, they're not the class of the conference and the recruiting class that came in. I don't really see that changing much. They lose their best swimmer. Um, I, I wouldn't expect a lot from, from these gals next year. Um, maybe, maybe one of the B cuts will get a, uh, 
We'll get an entry into uh, into the NCAA's. That's what happened with Iris Wang two years ago, but last year she missed out uh, because NCAA swimming is whack. Um, I could take ten minutes to describe it all, but basically there's two stages of cuts: A and B. Uh, B are conditional, depending on the total number that get in. Um, so uh, we won't know what it looks like until all the A cuts and their subsequent B cuts are. Uh, are finalized and then they can take take from the pool of conditionals. Um, yeah, no, not to be a downer, uh, but it it wasn't great. We look to see more from the men this coming week. The fairest way to put it, because the men are top twenty five um, again, because this is the ACC and we love country club sports and things like that. We might still get seventh despite being in the top twenty five in the country. And at that point, it's just a numbers game for how many of the uh, how many will swim on. Uh, another meet at NCAA's. Okay. Well, is that fair? I'm, I'm not fair. trying. To, I'm not trying that's to be a hater. I love swimming, um, obviously, um, but it's just hard sometimes, you know. Yeah, and and I will I will say I did watch. I think I watched the C final that Caroline Lee was in, and she swam really well. But to see Tech, I mean, even even. Let me let me find the words to put this. They were they placed ninth, like you said, and they were in that position for the majority of the meet. And then at the same time, there was a good hundred, hundred, hundred fifty points between them and the next and the team in eighth. So not particularly, not a particularly productive outing is how I would put it. Well, and yeah, and they did that despite getting Cami Hidalgo coming back from like a rough year of the past calendar year, um, getting her back and having her podium twice, a first and a second, uh, text numbers look a lot different if, uh, if you don't have diving, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it should be an area of focus and an area of growth to develop those, uh, the swimming portion. I, I don't remember exactly what year Hidalgo is, but assuming she has made two years of eligibility left, you probably want to make the most of that while you have it, uh, especially yep. when competing at the conference level. We just need to see a little more depth too, honestly, like diving, like again, a star diver, Emily Ilgenfritz is grand. Um, you got Hepler with two cuts. She's come into her own, uh, a freshman who won ACC, um, uh, weekly awards the past week. Um, you don't have nothing, you know. They have something to build from, but you need a. I'm not saying you need a Kyle Pampudis because that's a once in a generation swimmer, you know. The men are very lucky to have him, but you, you need you need something else, and they they just don't have that. All right, moving on uh, to softball, which was at Samford this weekend. Uh, they played four games. Uh, they lost five. to DePaul. Oh, they played five. Oh, oh county yeah. is hard. Uh, <laughs> so run ruled versus DePaul. That's not great. Uh, edged by number eleven Kentucky in extras. Right at the death in eight innings. Not great, but you know, battled. Uh, upset. Upset Kentucky in the next game, and that was a scorcher. Kentucky could not get anyone on base. Um, then just gets past 
Samford in a pitching duel and then came comes up short against Samford uh, in the final game, which I believe was a Samford walk-off. Honestly, I don't have much to add beyond your little summary here. I was really impressed with how Emikoff played again this weekend. Awald uh, started hitting, hitting with a lot more power this week, started to get into a groove. Nelliman was also very impressive throughout the weekend. It's they're five and eight, five and nine out coming out of that weekend. They need to they need to pick up some games coming into the meat of the season right now. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. It's tough. I I, I don't like openly. Uh, I guess uh, explaining away problems. That I mean, I try not to pull punches when things aren't going great. See women swimming, but I don't. I don't really want to hate on them either. Like softball lost a one run game to Kentucky this week. They lost a one run game to the top team in the nation two weeks ago to Washington. They barely got edged by Sanford, which is not a great team, but not a terrible team either. Um, the DePaul loss isn't great, but, but I don't know. Other than DePaul and I guess UAB, we haven't really seen clunkers, you know, like these have been mm-hmm. games that tech is in. I think one of the ACC Big Ten games was not awesome either. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's only three or four of those eight losses that I'm like, wow, we didn't. The margins, like the margins at this level, are just razor are razor thin. And I think something that both of us touched on while we were watching, I think it was the Kentucky game. Um, The infield defense has definitely regressed over the last. Uh, like in in this year, and especially to open the season, it well, you saw it, it in, was um, just—it's a little sloppy, I will say. Yeah, you you saw it in the UAB game, particularly, and that was the first game of the year in flurries in Atlanta after just and days and days of rain. Off. You you think like that? That's why we didn't talk about it back then, because it's like, oh, that's reasonable. Like first day jitters. Schedule's weird. It's cold. It's snowing. That's weird. Um, but like, there comes a point where you got to where you got to tighten it up. And and my favorite baseballism is you're going to win sixty games. You're going to lose sixty games. It's what you do with the other forty that matters. And right now, Tech has allowing for some rounding, slightly more than a third of their games, and lost two thirds. But half of that two thirds are these games that we're talking about. You know, a great Kentucky team by one and eight. Um, barely losing to Stanford, essentially in a like a, a one-run game, right? And then a one-run loss to, uh, to the best team in the country. You know, th- those are those games of inches, those games of thirds. It's what you do with that middle chunk that's going to turn the difference. And right now, Tech needs to pick up this game against Kennesaw. They have... Um, they Got the state game postponed. That probably would have been a win. Um, we do well against them. Like, granted, you're not going to make the tournament if half the games you win are like against your, I guess, patsies. But they'll turn. They need to turn the corner in some of these close games. And you know, Murphy's Law. Anything that happen, anything will happen that can. Hopefully, some of these start to break uh, Tech's way. Okay. Uh, let's round out the stickball sports. Baseball swept Ohio State with minimal incident. Uh, the hit, the hitting was back. 
Uh, pitching was also much more solid than what we saw uh, in the op- in the opening weekend. Uh, I I don't know. It, there's not much more to say there. It was a good weekend. They put up. If I can do some mental math here, twenty nine runs to Ohio State's ten. I'll take yep. it. I'll take it too. Um, you're the baseball editor, and I was in Gainesville, so you're definitely more uh, more able to speak on this than me, considering I caught exactly the last five innings of the series in person. Um, but I don't know. All the signs point to good for me. Um, we're waking up. It's kind of like what we just talked about with softball, them tightening up, getting out of that first weekend. We're, mm-hmm. we're kind of yet that from softball, but baseball is – since whenever they got back from Statesboro, it's been all that, you know? Yeah, and I I think you do have to hedge a little bit. Uh, you mentioned in your piece uh, in, in the Aldrich Roundup that it's they played defending Big Ten tournament champions Ohio State. And that means that means a certain amount, but at the same time I think you gotta hedge just just a little bit, um, considering one, Ohio State, the Big Ten as a whole in terms of baseball is, yeah. Uh, and then number two, Ohio State, yeah, they won the the Big Ten tournament, but at the same time, they went to the Nashville Regional, uh, lost and won one game, and then lost three games and got eliminated. And I think one of those games was to McNeese that they barely won. And they lost to Indiana State and Vanderbilt, and I think one more other team, if I remember correctly. But but they lost to Indiana State and Vanderbilt by a lot. Like they those were not pretty games, and and so you do have to take that into consideration when you're talking about a team like Ohio State. But I will say that the level of competition provided by Ohio State. And Cincinnati last weekend is much more realistic and much more preparatory to ACC play than playing, obviously, St. Peter's and, and to a certain extent, St. John's result in that latter game notwithstanding. Yeah, and, and, and even then, Georgia Southern. Um, oh, right. I will take caveat with, um, with Ohio State's losses in the playoffs. Um, Vanderbilt won it all uh, yeah. over Michigan, who... The Ohio yeah. State on their way to the Big Ten tournament crown, and uh, Indiana State uh, don't sleep on Missouri Valley Conference baseball. Um, I uh, I know that's usually a basketball thing, but I will also remind you that Bradley, for example, is one and zero all time against Georgia Tech, um, and also yeah, baseball. I didn't be like baseball. watching that game at all. Yeah, um, was, my dad was two years ago. That was not uh, fun. Yeah. Um, I think I did the write up for that game afterwards, actually. But um, yes, because you were very happy that well, you were conflicted. I was, happy, but I was conflicted, um, but no, Ohio State. They, they, I think this the five two game on Saturday. That's Saturday, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's the most indicative, right? We can't expect twelve runs every game. Um, but it is good to see that Tech can still, you know, 12-6 out, out hit the other team when their pitching is not. They can out-duel the other team 5-2. Um, so, you know, th- these won't be the hardest guys we play this year, not by a long shot, but 
And I will say in that second game, I think that was the yeah, it was the Saturday game when Lonsway was on the mound for Ohio State and he was dealing. He was doing very, very well at the mound. He just was not getting help from his from his outfield, from there were just a lot of a lot of mental errors for Ohio State in that game. And if left up to Lonsway, he would have absolutely locked it down. It's just that you have a blue uh, or a uh, a random double uh, off of a dropped drop fly ball in center field that puts a runner in scoring position, and then that's when the hit parade begins in that game. I think it was Baron Radcliffe, um, uh, Colin Hall, Luke Waddell. They all get on base, and it starts building against Lonsway, especially once he adds a couple walks in that inning, and it's. Like I said, it's. It, I think, like you're saying, this is a this is a good performance, and like I was saying, you got to hedge a little bit given the type of team that Ohio State is. But you know, I I still kind I I still want to see a complete weekend performance. You know, I that that middle game was especially it was a bit dicey until Ohio State started making mistakes. I want to see a complete, like a complete domination weekend. The more, more twelve runs, fewer, you know, two runs. "Quote: I want to see a complete domination weekend." He says about a team that is six and one. Um, hey, you I, know, I'm happy. I'm happy where they're at. I, I'm. I wish we had that St. John's game back, but I don't know. Like I said last week, you meet low for the rest of the season. Two out of three ain't bad. I'll take the I'll take the three out of three too. I'll take the three out of three this weekend, but we will we will get to that. Um, let's see here. The last couple of sports before we get to our major topics. Uh, Club Lacrosse lost to a U- Utah Valley. Oh, never heard. Yeah, of I know that right? school before. Um, close loss to Utah Valley. Club Lacrosse is man that that league is. Interesting. Um, and then uh, demolishing uh, Boston College, who was ranked on Sunday. Um, and then club swimming, Mr. Grant's, uh, I don't know, hometown at Georgia Tech, effectively. Uh, traveled to Gainesville, placing second. Uh, and then the final sport that we wanted to get to. Men's basketball played two games over the past week. They uh, beat Wake Forest by, what is this number, by 7, uh, 86 to 79 in a game that looked, it was weird at points, I think, but uh, Tech did pull away late. So I'm, uh, I'm more or less satisfied with that. And then in the final game, um, final game of the week, Tech lost at Syracuse in a close one, uh, a little closer than the score. The final score entails uh, seventy-two to seventy-nine. Jake, do you have any thoughts on the back part of our slate here? The back part, um, honestly, again, I was in Gainesville. Um, so long, such a weird pool. That's a different topic. Um, I don't know how a great team swims there because that is not a nice place. Um, 
But, oh, yeah, no. So, I, to be completely honest, I did not see a single second of the Syracuse game. I know Moses Wright played well because that's what Twitter and Instagram told me. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw highlights. Um, but my thoughts on Wake Forest are it's about freaking time we beat them there. I feel like we've lost a couple of them recently that were just infuriating. Yeah, I will but, note uh, that one was weird too. Um, and I, well, I mentioned it was weird. Uh, let's just see. Let's look at a couple of stats here. The stat profiles look pretty similar. Uh, Tech and Wake Forest shot about 58, 57% from the from two point range, like around like 30, 32% from, from three. 72% from the line. Like they are there. I mean, there's obviously plus or minus 2% in either in, for either team, but thing, this was a very tight game and I don't, it just came down to free throws at the end. If I remember, I remember the end of the game, right. And tech actually made its free throws at the end. They shot for 74% for the game on free throws. What a concept. That's how I felt watching women's basketball on Sunday. Yeah. So to round this one out, uh, Tech in the Wake Forest game had a 57% post-game win expectancy. Uh, and then in the Q's game, which I mentioned was a lot closer than the final score indicated, we had a projected score margin of one point instead of the actual seven uh, and the post game win expectancy was four. Tech was actually forty eight point four in this one. So it really came down to well, one free throws, uh, and and two. They just I know we've talked before about momentum not being you know based in math, but it really did seem that. Coming at, coming into that second half, Hughes just tore it up completely. Got the momentum on their side, got the crowd back into it, and just streaked down the stretch. Yeah, Carrier Dome crowd can't be understated. Hard place to play, even if it is massive. It It is important to note, despite how sad it is, Tech did lead this game by, I believe, 11 at halftime and uh, lost by seven. So there is that. I think we have spilled all of the ink and used up all of the battery life that audio uses uh, with regards to men's basketball. So let us pivot to the other type of basketball that we have been hinting at that we're going to talk to at length. Women's basketball. Mr. Grant, do you want to set the stage for us, please? Sure. Um, we got two ranked teams in this week, uh, both at McCamish. Thursday night was Louisville, um, headlined Lowell. by two, uh, two former Tech standouts, both named Elizabeth, uh, who transferred after their freshman year as part of the coaching fallout at the end of last year that kind of had us all pretty shook. Um, and then we took Florida State on Sunday for the second time this year. Uh, they were they came into the game ranked 17th in the country. Uh, is that enough exposition, or would you like some more? No, I will fill in the gaps. 
Cool. Actually, I meant yes, but I will fill in the gaps. You know, English is hard. Anyway, uh, so like Jake said, number five, Louisville. Tech lost that one by 11. I think that scoreline is a little deceptive because of late game fouls. But, you know, that was, a, that was a tough one. That was definitely a winnable game, and it just Tech lost the plot of that down the stretch. Um, but the good news is that they edged out Florida State at the death, sixty-two to or sixty-five to sixty-two on Sunday, which was a very good bump in their tournament resume. And I think that's the main thing that we have to discuss today. With one game left being at Clemson next Sunday, and then the ACC tournament. Tech sits at, I want to say, I had a graphic here. They sit at an 11th or a 12 seed versus Indiana, uh, and they'd be in the same region as Baylor. Uh, Baylor would be the one seed in that region. So, initial thoughts on that, on that setup, how we got there. Um, I, I do have some thoughts about about Thursday. You're right; that is a closer game than than expected. I, I don't know. I'm not going to pin it all on this, but my my one I always leave a loss unless it's a total blowout with one like angry fan moment, you know, where you're just oh, like, yes, oh, I'm aware, blah blah blah, you know. And a lot of times about the refs or whatever, uh, but there was two times where Georgia Tech spotted. Louisville, a nine-point lead, um, which wasn't great. But there were two times when Tech had clawed all the way or almost all the way back and then had uh, a, a Louisville player go down hard, um, take an extended injury timeout, get attention on the court, get helped off, sit on the bench, only for that player to come back in the next substitution or two. And, yes, gameswomanship yeah whatever but that was that was a little bit sketchy i didn't like that it was big big momentum it's it's not like the old men's basketball where you get the the timeout called and then the official timeout comes in like 30 seconds later and that kills momentum because i've seen that plenty uh did that in the duke game but um but man that those infuriated me because tech builds up all this momentum they get it within two or three points, four points, and then bam, you're back in the hole. That's that's demoralizing. One of them was it wound up being going down hard on a made three and a foul did get called. So it was went from being down four to being down seven. That's that's tough, you know? Um, but that being said, in terms of fouls, Tech was pretty, pretty solid on that. Uh, Louisville didn't go to the line all that much. Um, uh, Tech played a much cleaner game. Uh, forced 14 turnovers to uh, Tech's six. Um, got out-rebounded pretty noticeably at the start, but they must have come back because it wound up only being a difference of three. So it wasn't for lack of hustle and heart, uh, but I don't know if you saw the three-point uh, three line. That was a one-for-12 mark. So that was, if not for the momentum... Games woman ship kind of stuff. Uh, 
going ice cold from three is probably our our biggest uh I guess yikes, our biggest downfall in the game. Yeah, and I actually I think I can find the two points that you're talking about in terms of gameswomanship. There, if I look at the game flow chart here, so there is a one point in the early part of the second quarter where Tech got within one, and then there's another point where Tech got within three during the late stages of the third quarter. Those are the two nearest points uh, on this win on this uh, game flow graph in that game. But the bigger problem in that game was undoubtedly going one of twelve from three, which is very—it's a very uncharacteristic thing for this team. Um, it's, it's been a defining factor in their losses, though. If you look at it, yes. Oh, I'll, oh, I'll agree. It's—I mean, I think in their losses, it's generally been just an inability to shoot anything, which yeah. also came through in this one. Tech went sub 30% from the field, which is not a winning formula whatsoever. I don't know what to say beyond that. And if you look at the the Florida State stats, they, they turned it right around shooting above 60% from three. So not to say the team lives and dies on it, but when it's working for them, they've won some big games. Um, beating, yeah, let's, beating Florida let's State on the road uh, yeah, by a let's lot. pivot to that game. Yeah. Let's let's use this opportunity to pivot. So this one was was tight. Tech pulled away. Tech pulled away for a bit at the end of the third quarter and just gained, gained a ton of momentum and then went ice cold for about five minutes at yep. four, in the fourth quarter. And and this is after coming back. So, again, looking at the game flow chart, the game was pretty close until about halfway through the second quarter, tied 28-28, and then Florida State explodes and takes takes a lead that was as big as, trying to find a good point, it was about seven to nine points, and then Tech cuts that down, ties the game again by the end of the third quarter, that leads heading into the fourth quarter, and then just goes straight up cold during most of the fourth quarter. So it's a very, yeah. I, I think we've seen this game flow chart almost exactly in a lot of these, a lot of these conference games uh, talking about that third quarter nap, except in this case, it came at an even worse time. So not great, but they did overcome it. So what are yeah, you going to do? But that's, that's better than than kind of a worst case scenario. So not not going to complain too much about a win. Uh, the fifteen two run was pretty impressive, um, where they took that lead back. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was good to see them shooting well. Um, obviously, it's something they can do and has given them some some success or not some success, a lot of success, especially with well regarded teams. So not gonna. Not going to fault them too much for trying to stick to that game plan, um, even on Thursday when it wasn't quite working out for them. But uh, I don't know. They're they're definitely the a, bear, a very bubbly bubble team. Um, mm-hmm. I think they need a win at Clemson and probably at least one in the ACC tournament to say, okay, I'm comfortable with their chances. Um, 
Because again, that Clem- Clemson's going to be an RPI hit, and we don't. Yeah, we you don't need have a lot of wiggle room. That one. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely need to counter out that one. And I, I mean, looking at this draw right now, I want to move out of this Dallas regional. I do not feel super comfortable about. I mean, you play Indiana. I don't know how good Indiana is. I'm not even going to guess. But let's say you get past that. Let's say you get past Texas A&M, which is an entirely winnable game. Um, a team we've lost already this season. But lost close. It's a winnable game. Um, yeah. And you you get past both of those, and then you you meet Baylor. It sets up exactly like the last time that Tech Women's Basketball made the tournament, where they advanced to the Sweet 16, if I remember correctly, in 2012. And then got demolished by Brittany Griner and Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It was a sweet 16. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And you're not going to be doing a lot of moving up. And a lot of moving down is going to move you out of the bracket. So, I, I don't know, man. They That, that five-game skid is really coming back to haunt them the the couple overtime losses too it would be it'd be great to have one or two of those back the virginia tech game uh chief among them but yeah, I, I think I, uh, I think trevor davidson said it well um i see this shaking out to be a number 1 in the wnit seed more than i see it shaking out being a 12 seed in the ncaa tournament um through again no fault of uh Tech's own in the nitty gritty. Um, it's just how things play out sometimes. Obviously, bracketology wouldn't be such a burgeoning business if there wasn't a little bit of that like unknown aspect to it. But, but uh, yeah, uh, a win against Clemson is a must, and then a win, maybe even two, uh, in the ACC tournament would really help us out. I think. Yeah, I think you count. You already count. Clemson as a as an RPI hit like that even if you win that game and you have to win that game that is yeah. you you 100% have to win that game yeah that's an that's a that's effectively a loss in terms of RPI so you need to get two in the ACC tournament to be comfortable well not even comfortably in at that point just in just in that last four conversation uh, if you're if you're Nell Fortner and you don't get that last four in. What do you tell the team? Because a lot of a lot of teams that wind up on that bubble kind of wilt. Um, teams that expect the berth and don't get it. No, you you play you like tell? you play like you you don't have it. You play until it's in the bag. You play like it's not in the bag. I think something that both of us both of us say is that like n- nothing is deserved. Everything is earned, right? And I think that that comes back here like you you win the games that are put in front of you and you you hope that your rpi is high enough and the uh, intangibles there are high enough to to bump you in wnit yeah. is not terrible like a one seed in wnit is not a terrible end of the season that i will especially when we came into the season thinking it was going to be a dumpster fire yeah, and, and that's home. That's playing at home. If you're the number one overall the entire tournament, and if you're not till at least the final four. Yeah, and 
that's fine. Like, it, I mean, we want them to get into the tournament for the first time since in eight, nine years. But at the same time, given the context of this season, I would not be dissatisfied. I think we had this discussion um, in our in our Slack the other day. It's like this season, by all and for all intents and purposes, has been a success, regardless of what happens over the next two weeks, whether they get into the NCAA tournament or not. It has still been successful because the program is still functional, <laughs> and it's still. Yeah. It's still winning. It has a winning record. It's seven games over five hundred. It's eight games over five hundred. It's mid table in the in the ACC. This is still a successful season. It's not as successful as it. It might not end as successful as it could be. It might not have been successful as it could have been. But like Trevor was telling both of us, there's four four star freshmen, uh, incoming freshmen for next season. This team is yeah, going to reload. I had not even looked at the recruit recruiting class until he mentioned I was blown away. After the type of recruiting that has gone on on the other side of McCamish the past couple of years, I, you know, <laughs> Nell went out and did the thing. Um, so good for her. She's going to need to replace pond who is the heart and soul of our lineup. Um, and I, I think the biggest shame, if we don't make the NCAA tournament, uh, is that she would not get one while she's on the flats, but I don't know. It, it's a little bit early to look towards the draft, but I, I, I think she has at least some sort of professional career in front of her. But it would it would be nice to send her out with a tournament appearance. Vamp for a bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up WNBA mock drafts. Okay. Um. Yeah. For ACC Freshman of the Year. Uh. She has been through a lot. Um. Nobody should really have to go through moil that the women's basketball team experienced last year. That's tough on on active players, on, on alumni, on fans. Um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a nice parting gift. Um, granted it'd be nice to go all four years. Um, if, uh, if this recruiting class pans out, I think, you know, things, things do start to turn in that direction. We, we keep most of our factors. Um, it's one of those, it's one of those things you don't appreciate about college sports before you kind of get there and, and realize like, you know what, like I'm graduating, they have to graduate too. Uh, or maybe I was just more naive as a kid, but it's, it's one of those, all right, now we're grown up. And then the next crop will, will grow up and whatnot. And now I'm waxing poetically on the inherent yeah, structures. I'm going to cut into you. Um, I'm going to cut into you being so. sappy. She is not listed yeah. on any mock draft that I can find, but I would not be surprised. I mean, there's, there's also international leagues for women's basketball. She will be picked up, and I, I'm confident that she can play at the next level. But to be fair, there's still at least one. If Well, there was at least two games left this season. So let's come out firing in all cylinders and see what she and the, and the rest of the girls can do. I, I, and I would go as far as to say there's at least three. It's just a matter of whether that third one is – Somewhere that's not Georgia Tech or somewhere that is. I guess we'll find out. All right. What? Yep. Let's move on to the final major thing that we wanted to talk about, um, which is women's tennis. 
And we're running a little short on time, so I'm just going to set the mood real quick with what you said, if I can find it in my documents here, uh, with what you said about this weekend for women's tennis. They swept number 49, Boston College, uh, and then upset number 9, Virginia. This team is on the precipice of a top 10 ranking. But at the same time, we've also said, yeah, they have a couple holes. Yeah, they're not as good as that Final Four team from a couple years ago. But, I mean, they're about to be top 10 team after the, after this week. They are good. They are certifiably good. I <laughs> I had this conversation with Ethan today in uh, Tech Rec, of all places. And... Not to be a downer, but I think that they are performing above their ranking. Um, if you look at, at UTR, uh, Kenya Jones is great. She is the sixth best uh, singles UTR for court one players in the conference. That uh, is Vicky a lot Flores, of on that one. Vicky Flores uh, on court two, uh, that, that her usual court again, sixth in the conference. Um, Gia Cohen, again, playing great this year, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in the conference. Uh, court four sees uh, Nami Otsuka at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth in the conference, or, or there's about ninth or tenth. Um, you got uh, Rosie Gross on court five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth in the conference. And then down on six is Dova at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleventh in the conference. Those are not particularly top ten, top ten worthy rankings, but yet they keep winning. Um, UVA. I mean, it, I think it's it's something that we talk about in other sports, right? It's what's the best example that I can think of? It might be in in baseball. Um, Teams like uh, like the Twins last year, they won a ton of games based on the combined hitting of that squad, not necessarily on the back of one player. Um, yeah, basketball, basketball a couple of times has been a te- like more of a team effort. To, I mean, basketball is a little bit more of an individual sport, but in some cases, I think we've seen entire teams that don't have one superstar, one media starlet um, to control all of the attention. I know football has been like there have been football teams like that in the last couple of years where there's just not one personality that takes up all the uh, all the atmosphere. And I think this team is like that. They're they're not highly ranked. They don't have one, you know, one centerpiece player like Paige Hergen was a couple of years ago. But at the same time, they like you said, they're still winning. They're they're ranked number eleven for a reason. They went and upset number thirteen Ohio State. They played Stanford tough. They we're we're talking about a team that is uh, that has competed at a very high level, and you know overperforming right now or not, it's still you know proofs in the pudding right now. Yeah, I um if you pull up Virginia's um. You pull up Virginia's numbers. They they match out pretty similar to Tech. They're ranked ninth in the country. They have a basically all all American uh, court one, 
And then on court two, they're rated lower than tech. Three, about the same. Four and five, a little higher. Six, a little higher. Um, but again, again, they're not, they don't dominate on every court. So perhaps it's not necessary to, like you said, you can, you can pick up other things. This obviously doesn't rank um, doubles from what I'm pulling off of. And, and obviously doubles is, you know, a point of this and another way that you can double dip on some of your best players and how they play together. But I don't know. You can, I run a lot of numbers on, on swimming, uh, particularly ACC and uh, Illinois high school swimming. And you can't, you cannot win in, in, in team scored swimming with one great athlete, right? You can place in two events, but you'll never have your relays. You'll never have that all around what it takes to, to get there. Right. And just like, just like in baseball, you can't have one all world, uh, pitcher or whatever. Cause you know, you got to rotate you can't you have have weekend start. on your team and make the playoffs. It's what the angels have been it, doing for it, like 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And it's a little bit different in softball because you can put a, a pitcher in the circle and they can pitch every other game. Or yeah. Come in a lot of games in relief. Um, whatever. Uh, but, and, and then at basketball, you can have an individual standout that really powers your team. Um, but I, I think tennis, well, not necessarily on the, baseball side of things being a bunch of ridiculous talent all over the place. Uh, not saying pure depth, um, but you know, um, I, I think tennis falls pretty close to that, that swimming model um, even more so than track does in a lot of ways. Cause, cause doubles is kind of the inverse of a relay. You don't get the double point for, for, for scoring the doubles. Uh, in fact, it's lower valued. Um, but you, you can double dip. You put you put your court one player back out there to try and get another hack at it. Um, again, I, I'm rambling. It's almost one a.m. here in Atlanta, um, so I do need to go to bed. But but you know, there's there's that that aspect of you can't just have one great player and win. Miami, uh, though they did beat us last week, has the best singles player in the conference. Um, but on every other court. They match up to us about where, about where Virginia does, and and we do fall off on six, um, so not great. But Georgia Tech is balanced enough to do the thing, and the men the men are similar, not the same uh, in terms of deviation from the norm. There's a lot more bunching towards the middle in ACC men's tennis, but I don't know. Time will tell if the women are for real, but they're not not for real. I guess is my convoluted conclusion. Thank you for bringing that entire discussion to no substantive conclusion. <laughs> I feel like that's what we do best here. Yeah, I mean, we we did that for everything baseball related a couple weeks ago. That was pretty fun. Yeah, um, same with women's baseball like three weeks ago. Rampant speculation is kind of our forte. Yep. All right, let's let's wrap it up since it is almost one a.m. on the East Coast. What is coming up this weekend? What strikes your eye? What tickles your fancy here? Um, well, we got we got baseball and basketball tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon. 
that'll be two different kinds of interesting baseball versus Garner Webb um, and Clemson men's basketball. That's the first two games against them in the next two weeks. Um, my, Which is my a big weird, thing to watch. Weird scheduling. Yeah. There. Hey, I'll be, uh, I'll be at both. Um, but uh, Wednesday through Saturday, we got men swimming and diving at the ACC championships. This will be an interesting one to watch. Uh, Kyle Pamputis, uh, Christian Ferraro, they're the class of the conference. Um, they lose a little bit not having Rodrigo with them anymore because uh, he graduated last year. But I-, I think if this team is for real and if we want to see them do well, obviously if we want to see them do well, the NCAAs, they got to get some times here. Um, but, you know, there, there there's a lot of room for wiggle in that uh, – in that middle chunk of the ACC, middle upper chunk. So if if Tech can get a couple great swims here from that depth, um, they can't rely only on their top one, two, three swimmers. But you know, if the relays come together, if Kyle and Christian turn in good performances, but down the roster we see some of those solid swims, um, maybe we'll see a good result there. Not not saying we're going to get first. I don't know. If anybody can catch NC State um, or the other guys at the top, but um, definitely that's that's my pick to pick to watch. Other than, of course, the UGA baseball series, which all of you should be watching without us telling you to. <laughs> I will say, swimming and diving is on uh, ATC Network Extra, and it's kind of fun to throw on uh, throw on in the background. It it is. I this is an aside, but I do definitely enjoy watching competitive swimming. Uh, casually, it is kind of fun, um, and even if you're not into it, it, makes some pretty good background music or background noise. One of us, Akshay. One of us. All right, uh, rounding out the rest of the slate here. Uh, track and field is at the ACC Indoor Championships. Softball is playing the I seventy five Challenge at home. There's games versus Iowa State and Penn State. Oh, boy. Uh, lots of states here. Uh, baseball is playing Athens the entire weekend. Uh, the rubber match of which was shifted from uh, SunTrust Park to Cool Ray Field up in Gwinnett, which is kind of lame, but we'll deal with it. Uh, and then what else uh, is fun to point out? Um, Sunday's a busy day. Um, you have women's tennis at noon uh, at Ken Byers, uh, then women's basketball at 1 at Clemson, then softball at 1 uh, at home versus Ryder, and then the 2 p.m. rubber match uh, versus Athens in baseball. Uh, and yeah, that's a busy, busy day. Um, not even to, me- and I totally forgot to mention men's golf at the top, but they're in Las Vegas and far away. So yeah, yeah, it's a busy. It's another busy week. I think we're hitting the real heavy season once, like once we're getting into March. So oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's gonna uh, be it's gonna be super Saturdays and super Sundays for the rest of the rest of the month. I was going to say, um, Super Friday, too, even. We got a doubleheader in tennis versus Clemson, men and women, um, bookending or, or splicing the softball games, I guess you could say. And uh, 
and Saturday, the two softball games, baseball at home and men's basketball versus Miami. So uh, a lot to see if you're uh, if you're making your way to Midtown this week. All right. I think that about wraps it up for this week. We need to let Mr. Grant out in Atlanta go to bed. So, uh, yeah, do you have any final, final thoughts before we call it a night or honestly mid-morning at this point for you? Honestly, this is earlier than I got to bed in Gainesville, so it's a win. Wow. <laughs> party animal. Not, not partying. No, sir. But that's uh-huh. uh, the time. All right. We will, we will see you next week, everybody. Have fun. 